difference now for you. It's easy to move on. Me, I just get stuck in all the memories. It's more than I can face. Did you know it all along? So misunderstood. No one else can take your place. There are no more wrongs to be right. The twilight's long goodbye. Let's let it go. Love is all you left behind. I can't see it just around the bend. It's coming on. I can't explain the feelings that remain. That was Love is All You Left Behind, a track on Damon Johnson's latest album, Battle Lessons. Welcome to Go Beyond Here. I'm Carrie. Go Beyond Here is the name of my website, and this podcast was born out of the forced worldwide reconnection with ourselves, the new COVID-19 world, which has been a reminder that time and tomorrow is not a given. In these conversations, I talk to musicians whose music is the soundtrack of our lives. They give me the honor of doing a mitzvah where I give a quick reading using my gift, and my guest and I talk about following our gifts. And are we living our raison d'etre, our reason for being? Are we on the life path we're meant to be on, the one where we honor our gifts, our highest selves, our fullest potentials. Hopefully, these conversations that are a reminder there's a spiritual plane to the physical world we live on can be of service to people who are perhaps in a fall on the knees moment to see the glass half full rather than half empty and inspire them to create their own next better chapter and find your raison d'etre to use your gifts to be of service. Today, I'm joined by Thin Lizzy guitarist Damon Johnson, who is also in Alice Cooper's band in Brother Kane, as well as co-founding the Thin Lizzy spinoff, Black Star Riders with Ricky Warwick, who incidentally is my next guest. Damon has also written songs for Stevie Nicks, as well as one with Santana that featured Steven Tyler. Devoting himself to his own path now, his solo career, Damon's new album from his band, Damon Johnson and the Get Ready, is called Battle Lessons, which is apropos to this conversation about our life path and life lessons that are really spiritual lessons in the guise of what humanly happens to us in our lives. So, Damon, are you ready? Um, Michelle told me that you're ready and you would like to talk to your grandmother. <laughs> so, go yes. ahead. Say your name three times. The name of your grandmother once. And a question for the loved one, your grandmother. Damon Johnson, Damon Johnson, Damon Johnson, Lois Johnson. Question for Lois. It's just my tuning fork. She may or may not answer directly. Are you aware that I followed my childhood dream of playing music as a profession? Right after you said the word aware, she interrupted and just sh- shook her head yes. So I have to assume that you or her had some connection with the music when you were younger. That's why you're asking that question, because she was connected to, to this hobby or journey or gift. I would say yes. She had a really rough life, you know, as a child, in her teen years, and even as a young mother. And... You know, she wasn't in really great health, and unfortunately, she she suffered a heart attack when I was in, I think I was in the eighth grade, so I was in junior high school when she passed away, but she was incredible, so loving, and just, I there are so many things that I have carried with me into my adult life, especially my life as a parent, 
where I'll interact with my kids, uh, ironically, particularly around food, you know, if we're having breakfast and that kind of thing. A little earlier when you started talking, she did show me, and I just look at it as an archetypal image sometimes. It might not really be what she wore. It might be symbolic. She showed me a granny, a granny apron, like an old-fashioned apron, like in the kitchen, like that kind of feeling. So I just took it as an archetypal meaning. She also talks about the number three. So to me, this means three albums for me. So I know we're talking today, and we'll get to your new album but, Damon, is that your third solo project album? Like, she's saying the number three. Well, Carrie, that's incredible that you said that. Because the, yeah, the, the number three has occupied loads of real estate for me okay. my whole life. Okay. My whole life. <laughs> and, oh, really? <laughs> and ironically, Brother Kane made three albums. In my tenure with Black Star Writers, I made three albums. Three albums, within. okay. This is, there's no way... In a way, yeah. I guess you could call this my third electric solo record in a way. Yeah. But in my first marriage, my, I had three kids. The number yeah. three was just, uh, just occupied just, a lot. Of it's just her validation because not everyone thinks of life in numbers for their lives. So it's just her validation that she's around. Now, I know you play guitar. So this is interesting because she's showing me a violin, which is specific to me as an instrument. If I see it in a reading and I just can't assume that you play violin. I don't play the violin, but she loved country music and yeah, okay. exposed me to a lot of that. And of course, the violin, or in that case, the fiddle, was a big part of that music. Have you ever thought about putting a violin that's something different that you normally don't play with in terms of your toolbox for music? I've definitely thought about stringed instruments, specifically a cello. Oh, I love and, cello, but this is and, a violin. <laughs> and, and again, the song that you opened the show with from my yeah. album, Love Is All You Left Behind, my original wish was to have a cello on oh, it. Oh, my God. That would have been great. Yeah, we, but we wound up using the Mellotron where you can simulate those actual sounds. And it, it's a beautiful okay. instrument in its own right. Damon, do you play cello? I do not. I feel like I could I just like because could. it is a stringed instrument. You know, I'd, I'd have to get a little practice in getting my my head around using the the bow the but bow. Uh, yeah but it's the fret you can just put tape you know it's funny i'm thinking about i think about my cello a lot lately and when i moved which is what i'm planning to do i called my high school ex he's a musical genius i was going to have him come and pick up my cello and then i found all these Bach cello suites that I meant to learn and I never got to. Hey, if you were too bad you're not near Nashville, I, I give you my cello. It's a great cello. It's a great sounding cello. Wow. Wow. Um, I, I may love have that instrument. Yeah. I, I would leap tall buildings to get my hands on a cello. I mean, it's like it's. I gave a reading to someone in New Zealand the other day. She has a violin in Israel. And so it came up in the reading and I was like, hey, you can mail your violin to you. But mailing a cello across the seas is very difficult. So but then I, I think about giving away my cello. I'm going to miss it, you know, and I think about it a lot. So it's funny you brought up the cello, um, even though your grandma's talking about the violin. <laughs> I love this. I love this conversation, Carrie. And uh, I just, you know, I was thrilled when, you know, my team, uh, Michelle and Melissa, reached out about this because, again, my grandmother has uh, she's really kind of been with me my whole adult life, specifically my career. And she didn't play music. I remember her singing some. Now she, 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 she disagrees. She's shaking her head. Yes, that she did play music. So 
maybe that's just like music on a record or the radio. Maybe that's what she means because she's disagreeing. She's shaking her head. Yes, I did play music. So maybe it's that's just the radio or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. because the yeah. radio was always yeah. on in the car, yeah. and yeah. She, and she would sing, you know, in her way as best she could. But she was yeah. super, super encouraging. Into music, of, she said. She said yeah. She Your grandmother has also a sense of humor because we were talking about cello and violin. So I don't know if you felt that she was humorous in life, but she definitely shows that now. Very jolly, very yeah. loving, you know, happy-go-lucky, just always a soothing presence in yeah. mine and my, in my siblings' life. And she does say she wishes... Humanly, her timeline was supposed to be the outro that it was in that moment. But she does say, of course, humanly, when she, she thinks about it, when she first crossed, she would have wanted to be here longer. And yes, but she wasn't meant to. And that was her sole agreement, obviously, the time she left. But she did say that it was because she was on the other side that she was able to help you more so. And she takes a lot of credit for being like your team leader, you know, on the other side, like you have a great team here. But she's talking about your team on the other side. And she's sort of like your team leader and became that right when she went there. And she keeps showing me. And obviously, I know you were in Alice Cooper's band, but she takes credit for that was important. Either that was important to you, important for your timeline of your career and your life path. But she takes credit for that sort of serendipitous moment, you know, in terms of that, the catalyst and that connection and connecting the dots. And all you had to do, she said, was open the door and walk through that door. But she had to line up that door. That's incredible. Yeah. yeah there's no question that she was that she was that voice in my head, especially in my early 20s, when we're all confronted with different opportunities or situations where we could either go left or go right. And for all of the bumbling mistakes that I've made through that time period, I was really fortunate, Carrie, that, you know, drugs and alcohol were never a priority for me. Not to say I didn't try everything, but it just never was a, a focus. It was never something I, you know, seek, was searching for or, you know, looking for after the show or making plans for in any way. It was a, it was strictly social. And. I've often felt like it's been a real one of the main reasons I've been able to have a nearly 30 year career in this godforsaken business, which does not lend itself to good, healthy lifestyle, healthy relationships, marriages, even relationships with your children get strained in this business. And I've been very, very fortunate. And again, I've always kind of felt like my grandmother was definitely playing a role in that, you know, with her. Yeah. And her she. In the middle of that, she was saying that you did also know to surround yourself with people who are more like minded and that as well as the fact that you always thought of her watching you. So that's also why you didn't go down the drug route, for example, because she did shake her head. Yes. When you said it, it wasn't my thing. So I kind of assumed you tried it. But she did say that you always thought of her watching you. So you were kind of careful because you knew she was there watching you. <laughs> well, yeah. And, and just I. I absolutely recall conversations where she would talk to me about that that adage of never burn any bridges, you know, yeah. try to bring people close to you. Uh, if a situation reaches its ending, you know, say thank you and and keep in touch, you know, because you never know. And that's exactly what happened 
in a situation like the Alice, Alice Cooper. Yeah, she's, bringing up, she's bringing up his name again. Yeah. She, when you were talking, saying the sentence, she was saying the word Alice Cooper again. So I guess that's the perfect example. And she does say that there's moments where you left and then you could always go back on some level. So maybe that was when you left because you went to Thin Lizzy. So there was sort of an open door feeling like, like you said, no burning of bridges. You just had an open kind of connection. Yeah, there's no question. Yeah. That's been a yeah. very important, I guess, principle, just a fundamental in my whole career. And I'm, and the longevity of it certainly speaks to that. That's that's proof of it right there. Now, it's funny that I chose the most. First thing, we were going to do battle lessons as the intro, but I want to talk about the most mellow song because she's showing me. Damon, have you done an acoustic album yet or have you been thinking about total acoustic? Because it's such a different vibe than the rest of the album, obviously. <laughs> I have. I've done two acoustic albums over the last uh, couple decades. The first one was 20 years ago, Carrie. That was just a total fluke. A friend of mine kind of encouraged me to do it. And then I put out a proper focused acoustic album in 2010 called Release. And I'm so proud of it. My fan base, they love that record. And it's got, uh, you know, it has my versions of my Stevie Nicks song, my Santana mm -hmm. song, and then 11 or 12 other songs that I'm super proud of. So, mm -hmm. yeah, that's always been a part of what I do. Okay. The question, there's no doubt Battle Lessons is the total other end of the spectrum, you know. So that second acoustic album was mostly covers, right? Uh, the first one was mostly covers. Okay. The, the second one, no, that was original material with just, I think there were two covers on that, two or three. So maybe that's the another third album kind of trilogy where you might do another acoustic down the road. She said you have had a lot of music bubbling in your mind still, even though you are preparing in your mind to go on the road again because everyone wants to go on the road, she says, around you. Is that true? Of course, yes, yeah. yes. And I love yeah. that idea of doing an acoustic covers album, Carrie. I love, I yeah, love that. Now, she said... Half jokingly, but actually seriously, you could put a cello and a violin and go all out, is what she says. <laughs> That's what she's saying. I don't know if it's, it's not like country, but it's like, it sounds like a larger, it sounds like a larger kind of, like you could take this song and add a larger kind of vibe with a cello and a um, violin and a viola, yeah. you know, those different yeah. string sounds and even a double bass if you... Heck, I mean, you live in Nashville. That would be really easy just to pick up people who would like to just be on an album and they probably just do it to be on a big album like yours. You'd have like a whole little quartet. Carrie, I can, con I can confirm yeah. that performing with a string section, even, yeah. even a small section, is a, is a dream. Oh, I got I, chills. I, Damon, we'll do another episode when you're ready to do this. I just got chills. I would love to hear this song. You could totally make the cello sort of your the guitar line could be the cello. Now that I think about it, this whole the cello it lends itself to that range. The song that we introed with 100 percent over the course of all of my albums throughout my career. There's there's always two or three songs each album that I can perform on acoustic. And I just think the cello is just right. the most beautiful accompaniment instrument. I'm partial because they always say it's the, the range of the human voice. That's kind of their their like company line about the cello, right? It's like the human voice. <laughs> well, you remember when uh, when Nirvana did their MTV Unplugged performance, the cello right. was was featured prominently. It's just such a there's such a longing, and there's there's such a it's like this landscape, this musical. I just see this visual of a 
of an open landscape, either over yeah. land or sea. The cello just yeah, suggests that. You know, She keeps saying that you can easily find a quartet in your area. If you're solo, of course, you have to watch the budget. But she said that there's so many musicians who would love just to be on your album. They do it for like 50 bucks a pop. <laughs> She's literally not kidding. Like your grandma, I mean, I want to say your mom, but your grandma keeps saying that. So I want to get to a little bit of the album. On this album, the reason I chose this song first was because it reminded first it reminded me of an essay I once wrote where you know I had a tragic loss and it was a physical loss it wasn't a loved one and breaking up and it made me think about how it was about even though you lose someone physically love is all that remains and that's left behind but then I listened to your song some more and I realize it's about a relationship breaking up, which is the same thing where, you know, it made me think about this, like this relationship when we were just too young. But I think back a lot and all of it is the love that remains is all I think about now. So that's kind of poignant because you keep talking about that you can sleep at night, but then I'm stuck in the mental. I'm, I'm still thinking about it. So yes. I think everyone can relate to that for whatever loss relationship or personal physical loss you know they can I, relate to that song i certainly felt that carrie i mm -hmm. felt like the characters in the song were universal uh and whether it was a physical loss or if it was you know an older relative passing away or or yeah. or, 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 or a, you know a friend or or even a business relationship i'll share with you in an edited version, the the story that manifested me wanting to put that song on the album, I st it's the one old song that one is uh, out of the the new album. Everything else was brand new, but I stumbled across uh, the original demo that I made for Love Is All You Left Behind. I wrote it with my old friend Kelly Gray. Kelly had a vicious breakup in his marriage, and he brought in some lyrical ideas that kind of got the got us started. But it was really dark, and I felt like it was too dark for me to sing it and be authentic because I didn't live the experience that he did. However, I came up with that title, Love Is All You Left Behind. I can see it just around the bend. The feeling that remains, I keep holding on till the end. You know, we're tattooed by that stuff. You know, anytime there's, there's investment to the point that you love someone, uh, you never lose that. It's it's always there. It can and it can come back in the in the uh, something you smell or something you see or you hear. Uh, again, it's universal for all of us, and that's why I felt like it was the, you know, a song lyrically that would fit with the rest of the record. The other big caveat, um, really, Carrie, was the passing of one of my greatest musical heroes last year, Edward Van Halen, and when Eddie died. And we all knew he'd, he'd been battling cancer for a long time. But when he passed away, you know, I was reading about him and revisiting all my records and listening to his music, but watching videos and, you know, reading things online. And in every photograph, he's smiling, he's jumping up and down, you know, just he was emitting this joy. That was, he was what we, yeah. That's what we fell in love with in the beginning when we were teenagers, you know, and discovered Van Halen. So... I almost felt like it was a way of kind of paying tribute to Edward because that's he's not here in the in physical, but that's what he's left behind for me is just love. You know, the love of music. He I feel like, you know, his influence is absolutely has given me 
has played a role in me having this life that I have now because he was he was my biggest hero as a kid. That's so funny because like right before he passed and then afterwards, I found two songs that I didn't know existed. I was into New Wave, but the same time I was into New Wave, these songs were pretty big and to find them and play them over and over again. And they were really upbeat songs about love that it was the Sammy Hagar albums. But I remember putting it on my little answering machine for a while, too. It's funny how love is, if you think back, if it's a pure love that you had, you feel it. You can still feel it today. And love doesn't have a color or a smell. It feels the same with that person 30 years ago as someone now that you're in love with. It's the same feeling. It's interesting, isn't it? It feels universally the same if it's pure, obviously. Very much so. And look, I'm a I'm a sucker for love or and certainly the feeling of love, Carrie. My wife and I talk about it all the time. Uh, I know, especially for, for females, she had to teach me that concept because it's in books that she's read about new relationship energy. I just remember, you know, throughout my in my young life, you know, meeting a girl and just instantly, I'm like, oh my God, I love her. Love, 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 love. And I didn't know what it, what it really was, but I was just so obsessed and consumed with with wanting to feel good you know in a relationship with another person and the rock and roll song canon is filled with uh, incredible lyrics obviously about that subject and there'll be many more great ones written into the future and um i don't know i'm proud to contribute in my small way to that was this song a pure channel moment meaning um it just came in like, you know, minutes or it's some of the best songs just come through you from your higher self, the other side. So was, was this one of those songs on this album or was it Battle Lessons? Because these are some songs I want to highlight that I really like and connected to. Well, there's no question the lyrics for Battle Lesson came to me really fast that, mm-hmm. uh, you know, I, my friend and I, we had the, the piece of music and had been working on that. But the lyrics came to me on another day, a later day. Um, and came really quick. I will say that with Love Is All You Left Behind, the initial lyric that my friend Kelly brought in was very thorough, and I'm sure it was a lot of just free-form expression on his part, just kind of writing things down as he was feeling them. But I very quickly picked up the acoustic guitar and then wrote myself what became that chorus, Love Is All You Left Behind. And I remember his reaction was, was fantastic, you know, because... He had a heavy heart at that moment. And as soon as I started, you know, singing my yeah. idea, he loved it. So like you, you were channeling like I do and for your grandmother. But also it's like they call automatic writing. Like it sounds like that's what you went through for this song. Well, yeah. And I mean, you know, with with what you do, Carrie, that's that's kind of the reason we get up every day is we know that at any moment in any day we get lucky and we channel something. It just it appears out of the ether and it spills out onto our computer screen or into our little audio recording device. And it certainly happened a lot for me on, on the Battle Lessons album where I would step back and go, wow, where did that come from? I don't even know, but this is great. I love this. I love this guitar riff or I love this lyric or this arrangement. Uh, if you just, again, as you know, if you stay in it, and allow it to, to come, it will come. It always comes. And also, if you honor your gift, because that's why you're here, your raison d'etre, your reason for being, if you continue to honor it and work that muscle, 
it only gets better. Don't you feel the channel opens wider? I feel that 100%. And I'm glad that you brought that up because you mentioned that in your introduction. And as I was listening to you start, you know, our discussion, I was like, wow, yeah, I would love to talk about that because I feel that now more than at ever any other point in my life is that I am following. This is my calling. If If there's ever been a moment, my time on this earth to think, well, maybe I should think about doing something else. It's been 2020, Carrie, and this pandemic and how it's obliterated the music business and touring and it's just made it, it's incredible. So the the good news or or the result is, is that I've never been more committed. I've never been, I've never felt more fulfilled. Like, yes, no matter what, this is my calling. This is what I'm going to do because this is why I was I'm here. This it, I was born into it. It picked me. I didn't pick music. It picked me. And I'm just following that call. That's it. There's two points off your statement that I want to bring up. I feel like you're, you're a glass half full person anyways. So when you're in a fall on the knees moment, you always look at the glass half full. Is that how you saw 2020 for you like you because I had Ellison on and he said he, it was the busiest year he's had so he went the other way you know instead of moping or whatever you kind of do what you can and you start to honor other things that you didn't get to honor and then maybe that's your reason for being in that moment how did you feel about that a glass half full moment yeah definitely I I, I would say I mirrored Ellison's um, you know the path it's it's been that way it's just been it's been continual activity. There's no shortage of things to do. Um, my wife, Linda, and I, we talk about it often. Our marriage has never been more solid. Uh, all this time that we've been able to spend together this year, it's kind of like the dream we had when we first met 22 years ago. You know, we wanted to be together. Uh, again, the music business doesn't always lend itself to that. And, you know, we've been through our ups and downs and trials and tribulations because of that distance and time apart. So uh, we feel like we got what we wish for. We've been able to do things in the house. I've just released one of my favorite records I've ever made in my entire career. And there's new songs being written as we speak. You know, there's there's work to be done. So I'm I'm definitely a glasses half full person. And how did you know that you had this gift of music and how did you know to follow this gift and honor it? This gift you brought with you? I feel like. You know, my my mother and dad, both, they love music. So they they were always encouraging. My grandmother, Lois, very encouraging when she could, you know, she saw that I was starting to pick out some things on the piano, always listening to the radio or playing records in my room. And it was just music, you know, in my life growing up. I was very lucky, Carrie, that I grew up in a family that was already music centric. So, um. But there were definitely some other things that just kind of came to me, you know, living in a neighborhood with friends from school. We all discovered rock and roll at the same time. So there was a gang mentality, you know, and, uh, you know, groups of people get together and go play baseball. Groups of other people get together and they go cause mayhem. Well, we got together to listen to music and try and learn to play guitar and drums and see if we can make some noise, you know, and. I've been chasing that feeling my whole life, and I've been living that feeling. It's It's been incredibly fulfilling. How does one know, do you think, that they are on the life path that is their highest potential, their raison d'etre, their reason for being? I feel like a lot of people had to question their lives 
because everything got halted and instead of paying the bills in a job they don't like, it's about what do you want to do on the other side of this door when we get out of it, right? And so how does someone know? Well, Dave, that's a huge question. And I wish I had some power-packed answer for you. I do know, I just, I believe that when this, when we're past the pandemic, there's going to be some incredible stories of people that were on a different path. The pandemic hit and it forced them to take stock of where they are and where they're going. And they, and what they did is because of the pandemic, they shifted and went, you know what? I'm not going to do this anymore because I am working for someone else. This hasn't been fulfilling. I'm going to figure out what I'm, what I want to do. And I'm just going to do it. <laughs> Damon, that's totally me. <laughs> yeah. I, I had for years, I had two radio people at one on a satellite radio and one on terrestrial pushing me and like in a lovingly harsh tough, loving manner about how I sh for years are like, you should do a podcast. And I was on the radio as a guest, obviously doing a lot of listener calls, but to combine my interviewing people before and, and my gift, it's, I reluctantly did it. Things fall apart. And then I, I feel like you probably all have the same feeling where some things fell apart in your mind, but then you kind of, again, regrouped and then shifted. Yeah. 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 The, the, the word that that my wife Linda used was pivot. You know, we've That's all had to, we've all had to pivot this year. Yeah. Yeah. I'll share something with you, Carrie. Um, you know, as I look back over my resume, I've been so fortunate to have opportunities like touring with Alice Cooper. I toured with John Wade as his guitar player. And of course, joining Thin Lizzy was the ultimate. But, you know, I got a phone call a couple months back about an opening uh, guitar, uh, guitar position in another very popular, very successful. I just got chills, Damon. I don't know what you're going to say, but your grandmother just gave me chills. So keep talking. I don't know. She's showing me chills. Like I'm getting chills. In the back. <laughs> Go ahead. Keep talking. <laughs> well, simply it was, it was another, it was another opportunity for me to just be a guitar player, but in a big band that would pay big money and, you know, something even bigger than the Alice Cooper opportunity. I didn't hesitate to say thank you. I'm flattered that you guys would call me and think of me. I love your band. I love those songs. However, I am laser focused on my solo career and I want to give it 100%. And I just know what's going to happen if yeah. I join yeah. your, your band all of a sudden. Yeah. This thing I've worked so hard on now for the last three or four years, then that becomes a side project. It just yeah. gets lost. It just gets lost. This has been way yeah. too fulfilling for me. Yeah. Mary. This has been so fulfilling what but I'm you, doing. Your now. grandma said that, again, apropos for you being the first guest for the new year, because you're honoring your life path in a way, Damon, that she says you haven't felt that you really honored until I got chills the 2020 year. Let's put it that way. It, she said that transformed you that year, that year. Well, that kind of gives me chills too, Carrie, because that's exactly how I feel. I feel more authentic yeah. than ever. I don't I don't know that I yeah. was authentic before. I was right. trying to I was trying to get comfortable in my own skin. I was just, listen, I I became the singer in Brother Kane purely by default. I wasn't <laughs> I wasn't hanging on to some secret desire to be the center of attention or be, you know, the guy. 
I just, I was kind of, it just sort of happened that way. I, I took that job because we couldn't find anyone else. And it's like, we're going to lose this record deal if I don't step up and, and make something happen. And we did make something happen, you know, but I just felt like all through the nineties in that band over the course of those three albums, I was just trying to figure it out, trying to find who I am and what, what am I, and what do I stand for? You know? Yeah. And, and here we are all these years later, I feel like I finally found it. And then boom, pandemic you know everything everything shuts down for a year but, but that's okay she did say that the year helped you crystallize your path in your mind actually 100 percent. So she said it was a blessing that you had and we had this year and she does say that this is interesting because it's so important to, that you mention this because everyone can relate to this about being authentic in our own skin, because don't you feel like like when I do readings on the radio as a guest, those two hours, those are the most fulfilling people calling in and doing cold readings don't. And I feel the most calm and neutral out of my own body. Don't you feel that way? Because you are honing your skill and you're in the zone that you're meant to be in that you were born to do. That zone again, that's what I feel like we're all striving for every day we wake up. Can I tap into that today? And we know we have yeah. all the tools to do it. Sometimes it's a little elusive. But with my band, the Get Ready, you know, it's a, it's a trio. It's just three of us. But we had performed enough in 2019, Carrie, that I was feeling that thrust of energy of, man, I feel so comfortable now behind the mic, singing and playing, talking to the crowd, directing the entire presentation I'm ready for it. I thrive on it now. You know, I love doing that. Whereas for a long, long time, I think I kind of walked away from it a bit. When you were talking about Brother Kane a moment ago, she said the difference is even though you were singing, it wasn't your program. There was other voices involved. You couldn't do your own thing. You couldn't have all the, you know, the, the 100 percent, you know, decisions. That's what she said. Well, that's that's, that's a why. great point. That's a great point. Uh, and there yeah. were other voices involved. Yeah. And many of those voices I needed, you know, I just wasn't evolved enough. I wasn't far enough down the path as far as knowing who I was or what I wanted to be. Some of those voices were a distraction. Other voices were like a lifeline for me. They kept me in it, encouraging me and, you know, helping me with some some challenges, you know, to to to, I guess, arrive at where I am now. You mentioned earlier that when you're not authentic, you're not in your own skin and it doesn't feel comfortable because it means that you're trying to live life to what society deems is best or, you know, what the path looks like that you should be on because, quote, society thinks that's the best path for you because it looks the best in society's eyes. So you're not really in your own, like you said, the zone yet. But when you're in the zone, you do feel this relief because you feel you're honoring your true self. So it's interesting you mentioned not being in your own skin and the difference of that when you're authentic and you feel you're in the right zone and your life path. Yes, 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 yes. I, I'm just reflecting right now on some shows that we played last year supporting some other bands, you know, bigger bands with, with, with great audiences. But, you know, every night we would perform our set and then I would go straight out to the merchandise table and you know, sign CDs and take a photo and say hello. And I enjoyed that beyond description. And I realized in those moments, like, well, hey, I've kind of got a handle on this music thing. Now people are getting 
the one-on-one treatment and they're responding to it because they yeah. see the authenticity. Authenticity, the gen- yeah. Yeah, the genuineness, the commit. Because look, those people are giving me this life. I have all the skills and the tools to, to, to kind of create music and art, but I need them to, to you know, they're the ones that support it. They fund it. They, they, they really pump the energy into it. So, uh, you know, I'm just, I'm obviously with this new album, I'm just thrilled and can't wait for the band to be able to go back and play, play for those old fans, make some new fans and just, you know, continue down that path. It might've been hard maybe 20 years ago for you to say no to that really big band recently. Again, the world would have honored that because that's a, a big band juxtaposed with your own life path and why you're here and how time is precious. So you went to your life path because that's that never got full attention. Creating your own is harder. And to say no is actually harder maybe 20 years ago. But now it's important to you to honor your own gift, your own life path, go where your path is supposed to go. Carrie, that's right where I'm at. That's bullseye right where I'm at. And I'm human like everyone else. I'm going to wake up at 3.30 in the morning and stare at the ceiling and go, what if? You know, what if I'd yeah. taken that job? I wouldn't have to be working so hard. I could yeah. just, you know, get a paycheck and have other people make all these decisions. But it's not my story. It's not my songs. And I I don't know. It was, it was kind of, I just felt like maybe I took the easy way out for a minute there in the early 2000s. They were great experiences. Oh yeah. my God. I, I, you know, touring with Alice Cooper, talk about a shot into my confidence. Your grandma on, keeps saying that that was a, an important act uh, that you joined because that really helped your resume. She said that that she keeps talking about that opening that door for you and you were supposed to kick the door open because she said that was important, that band. It so, absolutely was yeah. important. It opened more yeah. doors than I could have ever yeah. envisioned coming, you know, in front of me. And, you know, to have a legend like that, to be on stage with him every night and not just get his endorsement, but, you know, yeah. have him coming by the, you know, my, my, my dressing room at night and say, hey, man, you, you played out of your mind tonight. That was great what you played on oh, this yeah, song just, or that song. It's like he's listening. He's really paying attention. I just got chills. But she also shows me you putting your prayer hands together with Alice. So I, I'm assuming you've thanked him many times for that opportunity. Yeah. I, yeah. I thank him in interviews. I just spoke to Coop two weeks ago. We had a great conversation. I'm going to see him actually uh, in about uh, in about six weeks, and we're going to do a little charity event together. So it's always great to see him, and he's like family to us. You know, him and his wife Cheryl and their kids have two teenagers, and you know they've grown up with Alice. Alice is like Uncle Alice to them, and it's uh, <laughs> you know what. Just saying that is incredible because as a teenager, I had those records. I had Love It to Death and Billion Dollar Babies, and I cherish those records as much as any Beatles or Led Zeppelin album, you know? So um, it's just crazy to look and, back and see all these things that have happened. And talking about honoring your path finally and, and putting 100% into it and knowing you're in the right zone, when I always talk about like when you're on stage playing or if you're singing, you know, in private, don't you feel, especially when you're singing, that you can feel your heart centers, your heart chakras open up. There's a resonance. Do you feel that? Yes, there's a there's some kind of synchronicity that happens when I sing and play guitar at the same time. Ironically, I was working on a piece of music yesterday and you know, I sat down and worked it out. So then first I laid the guitar part down, you know, recorded the 
recorded the acoustic and then I went back and sang it. Well, the vocal, the vocal didn't feel the same. I wasn't phrasing it the same way because I wasn't simultaneously, you know, moving my, my, my hands and playing the guitar as well. So there's, it is definitely like another, you know, appendage on my body, I guess. It's another, it's another dimension, right? Like you literally feel a resonance. You see, you feel the vibration in your heart chakra or, or your hand chakras. I do. I yeah. do. I, I remember yeah. Jimi Hendrix would give interviews or, you know, in his career and, and he would talk about that very thing. And that used to go right over my head. I didn't, I couldn't, <laughs> I just couldn't understand what he meant. Now I completely understand what he was talking about. And, you know, good on him that at a young age, he was able to tap into that and recognize it for the power that it had and what it what it really was. Do you have a routine daily to protect your voice or take care of this other instrument? I do. I was so fortunate when Brother Kane first signed its record deal. We signed with a big label in Los Angeles, Virgin Records. And the A&R guy insisted that I work with a vocal coach because, again, he was he was with me in that whole transition from just being the guitar player into also being the singer. So I worked with this kind of a legendary vocal coach from Los Angeles, Ron Anderson. And we worked off and on for about a year. Whenever I was in L.A., you know, I would go see him and I made his, you know, he, we would make cassette recordings of every lesson. And I have saved those. I've kept those through the years. So, again, the pandemic gave me the opportunity to go through all these boxes of tapes so I made some digital, you know, backups into my computer. So now I have those Ron Anderson vocal coaching uh, sessions right on my phone. So I can go, I can go for a run around the neighborhood and I'm like warming up and singing. And- you have a double gift because you can sing. Do you hear songs that are bits of random notes strung together in your mind daily? As someone who does not does not write music, I only hear other people's songs that have been recorded. Do you hear other songs or do you hear sometimes original notes in your mind? Yes, I hear both. And okay. I think and I think in the last five years since I've really began this shift into, you know, where I'm at now as an artist, there's these moments. It's usually right before I fall asleep, sometimes right when I wake up. Yeah. I'll hear something in my head and it always seems to start where I think, oh, what song is that? Like maybe it is a David Bowie song or a Joni Mitchell song or a whatever. And I've learned, Carrie, that if I'll take time and think about it, maybe it's a brand new idea. And I'm telling you nine out of 10 times, that's exactly what it is. So I have to discipline myself. Like if I get up in the night and I hear that, there have been times where I have you know, two, three o'clock in, 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 in the middle of the night, I've come downstairs, found my little recorder, and I'll mumble something into it that I'm hearing in my head. And then I'll come back and revisit it the next day and be like, what was that? You know, let's, let's work on that. And uh, she, she's saying that as you continue to honor this gift, this path, it's going to continue to open wider. So has that, is that true that it keeps opening wider, this channel, this original music stuff? You, you get other ideas like the cello. You get other lines, like other thoughts about what instruments can accompany this melody or something. Carrie, I can't say it better than what I'm about to tell you. Writing songs has never been more fun. It used to be a challenge. I used to kind of dread it, you know, in between 
those Brother Kane records like, okay, the fun part's over. The tour is done. It's time to write more songs. It's like, oh, no, it's so hard. You know, we got to go write some more songs. I feel 180 degrees the opposite now. Everything you need is right there. It's just yeah. right in front of you. You just have to reach up and get it and pull it down. And, you know, I I wasn't one of those people that was, I think, very comfortable in solitude, to tell you the truth. You know, if you're going to create art, if you're going to write, tell stories, you've got to be comfortable in a quiet room with no distractions. That's where it happens. You just can't you can't walk and chew gum at the same time when it comes to to writing songs, effective songs, real songs. And again, I, I hate to to be redundant with that phrase about being comfortable in my own skin. But that's true. Obviously, all these experiences I've had have have truly i mean i what more reinforcement do i need that i have indeed all the tools that i need i just need to sit down and not get out of this chair until i develop this idea to the end don't just right. get a riff and go oh okay i got this great guitar riff let's go play basketball no you got the riff now you got to come up with a story what is this about what does this make you feel and it, the, the more I do it, the, the easier it has become. Being comfortable in, in your own skin is like a big point. I started this based on a music blog I did when I was a Huffington Post contributor about musicians living the Mozart life because it's honoring their true selves and it might be the tougher road to choose. So, And you obviously resonate to that because you're choosing this harder path now instead of joining these other bands that are big. So... How do you push yourself in that? Is that because it's so rewarding because you feel like you're in the zone or is it because time and you don't want to waste time that we have to honor your path? What's what pushes you on this harder to follow life path, which is more in your own skin and you're more comfortable? It's it's time, Carrie. Great yeah. question. Great question. You just asked when I was younger. It was just the energy of traveling and the attention and the stage and the the great food and the adoring fans and the lights and, you know, all that. Now it's about time, the precious value of time. And my marriage is the better for it. My relationship with all five of my children are the better for it now because I'm thoroughly completely present when we talk when we have a meal together um i wasn't living that life previously yes my resume is impressive yes i've done all these incredible things that i'm so grateful for but those bigger more important relationships suffered they just did they just do if music is your path those relationships are going to suffer and now that I'm doing my own thing, I I don't even have to ask, you know, my wife, can you tell a difference? Is this better for you? I I hear it in her voice. I see it in the things that we do every day and the just just how we're living. We're living our best life. We are absolutely living our best life. That's because you're honoring your path. You're honoring your reason for being. And it well, comes back. It comes back to you. I have to tell you, Carrie. I've done more interviews in the last three months than I've maybe done for any record I've ever put out. This <laughs> is the top for me. I, I love this conversation that we're having because 
look again i have no problem being vulnerable i have no problem saying but i get scared sometimes i get anxious sometimes like is is this all going to work out is right. are we going to are we going to be able to get these last two teenagers through college on on the amount of you know CDs on, I on sell on the salary of, right of, of battle yeah. lessons right yeah. on this new salary right yeah now, your, your grandma said don't worry they'll know the the value of working for themselves too they could work at the donut shop <laughs> right well hey you She's know funny. there's no I love that too I yeah. love that so much because said, yeah don't my, worry let them know the value of work don't worry well my kids are seeing it they see me working hard they see. <laughs> Me and my wife working hard because she's helping me with all this. You know, yeah. I mean, we've we have burned a path between our house and the post office over the last month as we've been mailing out, you know, CDs and T-shirts to all of our awesome supporters. It reminds me of the Steve Hackett interview I had last year where he boldly left Genesis because he he had to follow his own path. This really reminds me of that interview. But you're a good example. I think a lot of people are on the cusp of should I stay in a job just to pay the bills or should I be in a life path that honors society rather than my own path? Because society deems that I'm supposed to do this in my life, you know, that this is better and this looks better for the world or my paycheck, whatever. And it's harder to follow your own path. But you, like you're a great example that you feel better in your own skin when you're authentic and living your own true self. And that's what you've been your grandma saying you've been honoring the last five years. But she said you've been thinking about this for probably 10, about one day doing your own thing. In the back of your mind, you often think that, she said. Well, she's right. She's right. And I remember even back, you know, early 2000s, uh, even before joining Alice Cooper's band, I remember almost just maybe common sense, I guess, was saying, well, at some point, you're just going to have to chart your own course because these are not your songs. These are Alice Cooper's songs. Right. But the difference is, Damon, you happen to write songs. So everyone has their gifts. So somehow you knew that you had the gift of music and writing music, which is a very rare gift. And you brought it with you. Well, it makes me feel great for you to say that. And maybe I need to do a better job of of recognizing that. Yeah, and your grandma's shaking her head. She keeps talking about that cello, that um, quartet behind you on a new album. So I kind of feel there's a that she said you can easily open that door because you've got a lot of other music in your mind that's either coming or has come and you haven't published it yet. But it's it's on there. It's on the it's on the little computer. You've got strings of other songs. She says, is that true? <laughs> you know, I mentioned to you earlier about backing up all those vocal tapes that Ron mm -hmm. Anderson and I worked on together. Well, there were even more boxes of old songwriting tapes. I okay. did an exhaustive backup of all of those. There is a mountain, a mountain of ideas on there. One of my heroes is David Bowie. You know, he never really looked back ever. He was always about moving forward, living his life. And then what's what's around me now? What is inspiring me now? What can I write about now? Yeah, I totally feel that. But I'm telling you, <laughs> there are some hidden gems in, in those old ideas. And it she said you began working on them, not just transposing them to the computer, but you you're working on some of them already. Is that true? 
Yeah, for sure. I mean, yeah, there's some, there, there, there's, uh, you know, I've already got a little list compiling and I'm just starting the next sort of, we can't yeah. really get on the road in full right now. So I'm going to make the best yeah. of this time. She wants gonna... you to, she's saying you, you should embrace the moments. Going back to time, and you mentioned time briefly about it's pushing you. And same with me. I think a lot about time. How much time do we have left? What do I want to do with the time I have? Am I honoring the gift I brought with me? And how time is fluid. It doesn't exist. 30 years ago can feel like today. You can think about a memory 30 years ago and be right back there. So what do, do you think about time a lot? Either the concept about how it's a human construct. We have to have a human agreement that it's one rotation around the sun. Just to, just to humanly have societies, you know, sort of kind of agreement. But really, it's a fluid thing. Carrie, maybe it's taken this for me to arrive at where I'm at now, but the concept of time, the subject of the word time and what it means has absolutely been, has gone with me even back into my 20s. Um, my very first real songwriting partner uh, is the incredibly talented Marty Fredrickson. And we had lengthy conversations about time. And about maximizing it. And it would start with where we would say, well, let's write a great song today. What do we want to write? Well, let's write something timeless, a song that would have been great 30 years ago, a song that would be great 30 years from now. Let's not worry about trends or anything like that, you know. And obviously to write a great song that is timeless, you gotta you gotta touch people, you gotta speak to their heart, speak to them in a way that they can relate to what you're saying and make that connection. So time is hugely important to me. And my Linda, who I've obviously referenced her many times in this conversation, she says it often, you know, you got to work smarter and not harder time. You know, <laughs> you just can't get that time back. Yes, Look, I had, so, I had yeah. so many great experiences on the road in the Thin Lizzy offshoot band, Black Star Riders from 2013 to 2018. But really, all we were doing was building a fan base in another country, on another continent where I don't live and my family's not there. What is that doing for my future? And your every decision is made by a committee. You know, it's different when you're the boss, when it's your thing and your vision versus, you know, chain emails and conference calls to make the simplest little decisions it's like it's just a waste of time i said it all uh, often it's just a waste of time this is driving me crazy so that definitely pushed me in the direction of, of, of where i'm at now so again time the value of time you're reminding me of a question i was going to ask earlier and i feel like one of the life lessons all of us learn is ego people you know ego for whatever reason and fame is an interesting lesson in that and thin lizzy is mostly known in America for one hit, The Boys Are Back in Town, but globally, in the UK especially, it's a huge band. So I assume in the UK you play in arenas, but in the US it's a smaller crowd. So was that an interesting lesson? It reminds me of motorcycle racers who are rock stars in the world, but then if they come to America and go to Stop and Shop for groceries, they might not you know, be hounded, you know, but like, you know, the rest of the world, they can't walk two feet. So it's an interesting concept of fame. You're big someplace and you're not big someplace. So did you learn about that lesson a little bit from Thin Lizzy? Yes. You know, really, uh, it makes me think going back to 2001 when I became John Waits guitar player. You know, John was a 
very successful in his solo career and and you know he enjoyed some big mainstream success in the 80s is he the one who wrote missing you that's john yeah i got to be on the road with a famous guy and see what that was like well then i took a giant leap into an even way bigger famous guy with alice cooper so yeah getting a front row seat to what that's like on a day-to-day level was incredibly insightful and educational because look that's what i thought i wanted as a young musician i want to be famous and but isn't there a lesson within thin lizzy they're famous globally in the uk but they're not that big here so that's an interesting dichotomy of fame big one place so fame is such a again another weird human construct thing <laughs> well yeah i mean you know for in when it comes to that situation that was really simply down to the fact that the band was based out of the uk that's where they did the bulk of their aggressive touring. You know, they didn't spend the amount of time they probably should have in America and try and build it bigger over here right, because right. they certainly could have with, with the quality of the songs they had and what a great band they were. But it's just how it worked out. So then here I am, this American guy playing in the band, and then Lizzie turns into Black Star Writers. And yes, Black Star Writers was accepted with open arms over there in the uk because of the thin lizzie connection but carrie we tried to bring it over here to the u.s yeah. and look some shows i mean it was crickets it was crickets and it was like wow uh maybe we're too old for this <laughs> you know this is like oh this is tough and you know those are but, again, it, but it's a humbling it, lesson it, about fame and how worthless it really is isn't it well i just <laughs> felt that i felt like it's like guys like this what do you want to do? Do you want to feel like you're famous or you want to be famous? Or just do music. Yeah. Or do you want to just do music? Carrie, I won't yeah. want to just do music. I want to just do music until my last breath. If I live into my 90s, I want to play music. My, my wife's grandfather just turned 90 years old. He's a jazz musician. He's in, the, he's in amazing shape. He stays active, stays busy, always recording writing new you know coming up with new things obviously they can't book gigs right now but he you know he sounds like a teenager he can't wait for the pandemic to lift so they can go back and start he wants to book some gigs book some gigs that's gonna be me that's my role model right there you know it'll probably be me and an acoustic guitar maybe i'll have a cello with me carrie but I 90s. love <laughs> I love those stories about musicians who just don't care. Like after a huge show, they're going to play at a little place just to start try new material or they're just happy to be playing. Even though they played in arenas, they're happy to be playing to 50 people another day. You know, so there's no ego. It's about the music and about their life path, not about the ego part of life. Well, I've, I'm surrounded by photos in my home of of the all time greats, you know, Tom Petty. Prince, Bowie, they were those kind of people that you just described. They lived for it. They lived to play music, write music, record music, make art. But they were bitten by that bug and they had, you know, cosmic level skills and focus. Talk about guys that weren't afraid to sit in a room by themselves for hours at a time. They 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 had that extra tool in their toolbox even as young artists you know that I, I didn't really have that at that time i had it took me a while to find it you brought this up a couple times and i think it's worth noting 
being afraid to sit with yourself is an interesting thing because I think it's harder to sit with yourself. People, number one, I think people don't like to be alone because loneliness is an issue in life, right? And also when you sit with yourself, you have to face yourself and you have to really be honest with yourself. So that's probably why it's easier to always be fluttering around and not facing yourself and sitting in stillness. Carrie, can I tell you a secret? My solo record that I put out two years ago is called Memoirs of an Uprising. Mm -hmm. It was my first proper solo record, you know, after leaving Black Star Writers. I had some things that I still needed to work out you know, like personal things, things from the past, some some bumps and bruises and stuff. And on that record, I feel like I laid it out almost too crystal clear. It is like Technicolor, you know, Pixar just laid out. Like, how can someone here in the song not understand what I, you know, and <laughs> and no one, you know, it just. And that's great because people are listening to the riffs and the beat and the tempo and the energy and that. But if they just really tapped in to the stories and the characters, you know, I'm just surprised I haven't had, especially like some old friends come up to me and go, hey, brother, did you go through some stuff? Do we need to talk? You know, do we need to talk about anything? So, you know, and that's that's what my heroes all did. They were working out their stuff in their art. They were making sense of the world with their songwriting. And I am just so grateful that it finally happened for me. It fi- I finally arrived at that place. And look, I may not, I probably won't ever be able to do it at the level that those heroes were able to do it to because they did it at the forefront of this thing that we call rock and roll that just isn't the cultural influence that it used to be. But I have this life now. I have this path in front of me. Everything is very simple now. I'm not saying it's easy, but it's very simple. So if I'll just put in the time, if I'll stay here in this room, in this chair with that guitar and that pen and paper, if I'll stay here, I can get it done. I know I can do it. I've proven it to myself. I've proven it to my fan base. Everybody knows now Damon's the real thing. He's getting it done. In this overwhelming digital era where there's so much noise and other people's noise, even if you don't want to look at it, you know, in the old days, we could ignore it because we could just be alone in a a room with a phone plugged into the wall. But now everything's changed. How do you stay grounded and focused on you and your life path and connect to your higher self? Do you unplug, for example? Do you stay away from all that except for work? You have to do things for work, obviously, that are digital. But how do you stay focused and grounded on your life path and and you and what you're supposed to do? That's a great point. Yes, it's difficult in this age that we're living in. I can tell you that when I do commit some time in my work day to write songs, the first thing I do is I take my laptop off of the off the Wi-Fi. You know, I just con- I disconnect it from the Wi-Fi so that I'm only typing lyrics and writing down ideas. I'm not using it to surf the internet or get emails or, you know what I'm saying? Let me check my Twitter. Let me yeah. see if so-and-so replied to my tweet. It's like, I get it. It's that again, that's where we live. There's a, <laughs> Hey, that's why these tech companies are, you know, trillionaires now because they've tapped into whatever this human, you know, endorphin is that releases this addiction, over, right? This yeah. Addiction. It's a total addiction to your question. I have to shut off the internet 
I try to go for lots and lots of walks. walks I, listen, yeah. I listen to music on my headphones. I've got re- kind of a good routine, you know, some coffee, a little bit of something to eat. And then I hit that pavement, you know, and I'm working out songs in my head or maybe I'm making a business call. I'm getting some exercise. It's like quality multitasking for for about an hour. And I and I find that I just need that. It, it fuels the rest of my day. And it's a real fulfilling uh, routine in my life, for sure. I feel like the world has been in a, a wilderness moment in 2020 when you're in a fall on the knees moment, which I've been through myself with dental stuff for a few years, and that's delayed my life. Often a physical issue can be a fall on the knees moment, which opens up your eyes to your life path or what you're supposed to do and crystallize things. Have you had a valley and a low point and something that made you stay true to yourself and something that gave you an epiphany and pushed you to a next better chapter? Wow, that's a biggie. I can share with you that about a, about 10 years ago, you know, 2010, 11, you know, my, my marriage went to a real rough spot, a, a real tough one. And, you know, our kids were still really young and I don't know that we would have survived it had it not been for the kids. You know, we, we, we might've called it quits and just gone our separate ways. And that was a monumental turning point in my life. Um, you know, it just made me realize that if you'll take the time and roll up your sleeves and do the hard work, you can get through it. You know, you can do anything if you'll do the hard work. That's the hardest work I've ever done in my life, Carrie, more than anything in the music business. I promise you. Well, your grandma said there was something there, a kernel of a connection. And that's why you are together. And that's why you found each other. All the people from my life that I wish Linda could have met. It is my grandmother, Lois, because uh you know, Linda's a little, she's, she's only about five foot five, five, six. My grandmother was even shorter than that. Yeah. She's, your grandma said there's a similarity though. She did say there was a, a similarity. with. Yeah. Your, they've got the darker skin and the, yeah. the darker eyes and, and hair. Yeah. There's, there's definitely, there's definitely some features that they, that they have in common, but uh, that was a big moment in my life. And, and, you know, having my marriage as solid as it's been for a decade since then, you know, that's really made my musical journeys and musical experimentations that, stronger that, she said yeah they stronger, def- definitely said. made them stronger more yeah. fulfilling but yeah. you know Lin- linda's absolutely my muse totally my muse and i go you know i come to her with everything i grew up in classic rock i'm from the south linda's like a southern california punk rock chick you know she's she's like she's 12 years younger than me so she had a whole different perspective but she's a much older soul than i am and she speaks the truth so poignantly and simply and without hesitation. You're open to that. And that's so great because some people would shun that because they don't want to hear the truth about themselves as a mirror. Right. And so she's a proper mirror. And that's wonderful that you are open to that because it helps you become a stronger person. Well, music has been such a blessing in my life. Mm-hmm. And the, the only thing that's been better for me than music is, is Linda. So the fact that she's as big of a music junkie as I am is just this bonus, Carrie. It's this incredible bonus. I know it's a cliche, but we're, we're, we're just living our best life. What do you do when you're feeling blue then? Or do you not feel blue? How do you pick yourself up to stay the course? Like for me, I'll play a song over and over again for like a weekend. Yeah, if I'm feeling blue, I hit the pavement. You know, I put the headphones on and I'll probably listen to some aggressive music. You know, I'll probably listen to some hard rock and some metal 
uh, get a little, get a little cool breeze in my face or some sun on my face. And, um, you know, music always changes the, the temperature in the room immediately. I'm weird like that at my happiest moments and celebrating some accomplishment or some fulfillment. I'll listen to really sad music, not to get <laughs> sad, not to get sad, but I feel like all of my sensors are, are hyper tapped into, wow, listen to how amazing that lyric is. How did that person create that? You know, what were they, what were they thinking? I can be more analytical about this incredibly sad song when I'm in a great mood more so than I am if I'm, I'm struggling. Cause usually when we're struggling, we got lots of distractions and, some fear in front of us. I love battle lessons. I don't know who wrote this, but in the chorus, you go up to the higher note, like an exalted moment in the chorus, which I liked a lot. Thank um, you. And you should try to get that on a Peloton playlist because I thought, <laughs> you know what? That'd be really easy to like go up one of those, you know, hills that they have in those classes, you know, because <laughs> oh, it was such a Carrie. rocking song. Listen, and I played I'm it all you. night. I played Listen, it on loop this- all night. This album is loaded with songs that that fuel my my personal workouts and you know my, yeah. my exercises. See, that song is great for a workout, man. I mean, it was rocking. You know, even the lyric lends itself to uh, to challenges and, and overcoming them and, and besting them and tackling them. You know, when we were young, nothing to lose. We were invincible. Now take a look at you. I'm screaming, my God, what have I done? How could I ever feel like you were the one? No battle lessons lost on me. Tomorrow can't come fast enough. We're through. It's not so much a, you know, a a blowing off someone. I just look at that uh, besting any challenge. You know, a bad relationship is a challenge. You have to deal with that and either fix it or get rid of it and move ahead. That's what battle lessons is for me. Seriously, Damien, you've got to try to get in touch with someone at Peloton or one of those instructors. Get them on. This is a good playlist song, this kind of a song. I really love how rocking <laughs> it you. was. And Thank then you. talk yourself into anything. I love, again, it's so apropos to this conversation. I love the title because people can lie to themselves and talk themselves into anything. Because like you said, you can take the easier road, the comfortable road, the one that was easier with society, you know? And then I love the the guitar part where it's like calling out to the drum and then the drum responds, which I love that as well. Thank you. Thank you so much, Carrie. Yeah. Talk yourself into anything. Another lyric that started based on a singular relationship. And then very quickly. It turned into an absolute documentation of the previous four years in the United States of America. People have talked themselves into anything they want to believe. If you shove it down their throat enough times, they'll go, "Okay, I agree with that. Yes, that's what's happening. That's definitely one of the more popular songs on the record. There's been some talk of making a video. I just see it being a hodgepodge from, you know, the the news channels. And because that's it, you know, that's how you get to sleep at night. You talk yourself into anything. I thought of it as a personal thing where in their own lives, people can talk themselves into anything because, you you know, you can easily not be on your authentic path. But it's easier to be on a, a road that's either less challenging, less resistant, easier, less fearful. Well, I'll bring it back to Alice Cooper. 
you know, I could be in Alice Cooper's band right now. Right. I could mm-hmm. I could have been playing with Alice for 15 years and it would have been awesome, you know, but I would have been talking myself exactly. into this is what I need to be doing. And Alice himself knew. He's like, come on, Damon, you got too many gifts, man. When the Thin Lizzy opportunity came, I was in the middle of a tour with Alice and he was the first person to say, come on, man, you've got to go do that. That's your childhood biggest influence, man. It's all you talk about. It's Thin Lizzy. Good for you, man. You've got to go take this. And and he booted he, me right at the door. He honored his, he honored your gift, right? Yeah, he totally did. He totally did. The challenges that, that we wrestle with being independent and, and doing it ourselves, we can get through all of those because of the authenticity, because we are following, you know, I'm following my bliss. My family is supporting me to continue to follow my bliss. That's what they want me doing. That's what I've come to them and said, I think this is what I'm ready to do. And they've, I've got nothing but the green light from them. That in itself is a blessing. I, I don't ever want to take that for granted or, or make light of that. While there may be a physical human discomfort following your path, because it, like I said, you said it's easier to follow other people's bands and make more money. There's a comfort and a peace about following your reason for being your raison d'etre. It's honoring your gift fully, which is, like you said, you haven't before this. There's no, there's no question. I'm honoring my gift. Last song I want to mention that I thought was fun, and it's apropos because you're in Nashville. You were talking about writing songs that are not trendy. It reminded me of a classic Southern rock song, Casual Beast, which I love that word. What a fun word, right? Like Beast, it has so many meanings. You know, I love that word. Well, I am so thrilled that you name-checked Casual Beast. Um, we've talked about a lot of amazing things, Carrie, and I've yet mentioned uh, my favorite collaborative partner, uh, we've been friends for 25 years, my friend Jim Troglin. Jim Troglin. Our kids have grown up together. Our wives are best friends. He is, he is an artist in his own right, and he marches to a different drum. And I used to think, wow, that guy's too weird for me, you know, back in the, in the early <laughs> days. But now he's, he's, his, he's, more weird than I deserve, you know, like I'm so, (laughs) I'm so blessed to have Jim in my life, Carrie. And that was his title, Casual Beast. And as ironically on the previous record, Memoirs of an Uprising, we had another song called Making Peace with This Wicked Beast. Oh, so Uh, is he always the beast? (laughs) Well, I don't think he's the beast. I think I think the beast is kind of the royal beast. It's the thing that we all wrestle with inside of us because the beast can be productive. It can be destructive. You know, it just depends on the application. But yeah, I love that word. That's why I love that word. Yeah. Well, in this particular song, in Casual Beast, we went full blown Quentin Tarantino. I mean, we just wrote like a like a story out of Reservoir Dogs or something like that. And we just had so much fun. (laughs) Uh, writing that song. That was a great riff that Jim had, and my band killed it. They just knocked it out of the park in the studio, and uh, it's the perfect song I felt like to close the record with. Did you feel like you were trying to sound like a Southern rock song? Because it really is a classic Southern rock song to me when I heard it, and like you said, you were trying to write timeless music, not trendy. So that's what I felt without even knowing what the album was about. I just kept thinking, wow, this is a classic Southern rock song to me. Okay, it's another 
part of your gift is you have you've had this ability through this whole interview to tap into some just major pieces of real estate in my life. My first love in music was Southern rock. I grew up from the South. I I was I was born in Macon, Georgia, the home of Southern rock, Capricorn Records, the Almond Brothers, the Marshall Tucker Band. Yeah, that's what I've uh, heard. That's what I was know, hearing. Yeah. Of course, Leonard Skinner was massive for me. Uh, even some of the next tier bands like Atlanta Rhythm Section and Molly Hatchet, all that stuff. It was all guitar based, but they were writing about life in the South in their way. Brother Kane's very first record, I think I wore a lot more of that influence on my sleeve than at any other point. Many of my fans have commented in the last two months that uh-huh. Casual Beast sounds like a great Brother Kane song. And they mm-hmm. mean that in the sense that it's those Southern influences are, are there. So good on you. Yeah. You, you flatter me. You honor me uh, by listening with enough of a tuned ear to tap into that because you're 100% right. That Southern thing is definitely there. Did you hear the episode last year with Ricky Medlock? He was on this discussion. And you know, he- I didn't know that I didn't know that Ricky was on until I texted with Michelle and she mentioned it and I said I oh my god I gotta listen to that because I've known Ricky 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 was uh, another hero in Blackfoot and we've written together he's he's an old friend I don't get to see Ricky as much as I would like but he no he was another hero of mine he's like a big brother to me he grew up with a grandmother in the spiritualist movement so you know reading was like normal for him like this kind of reading so it was interesting I loved talking to him because of that he was really open there is an interesting place where people are really open to that in the South. I well, think. I'll tell you what, I really kind of washed my hands with that dogma that I grew up with as a kid. Cause, right. and trust me, my grandmother would be disappointed in that. <laughs> no, I mean, she's shaking yeah. her head. No, because the dogma is not existing where she is. And she points to me. I'm the same way I shook off the dogma. But I think people need some of that kind of tradition, maybe as a kid, like, I, I kind of don't really disavow it in that I'm grateful for that structure. But I, when I look back, I don't know how you feel because you come from the same cloth, I, I think. I feel that was a very one-dimensional spirituality. Don't you feel that way? It was very one-dimensional compared to where, what we are now. Oh, spiritual. Go- oh goodness, goodness, yes, goodness, yeah. yes. Um, Linda and I, we, we became Unitarian Universalists about 10 years ago. And, you know, I'll tell you this about those old those old songs about once a year, you know, there'll be you know, there'll be a service that kind of is a tip of the hat to the old traditional Pentecostal, the, the old school stuff that, that many of us grew up in when we were right. kids. The hymns. So the, yeah, those old hymns. Right. Exactly. So the service will be sprinkled with these songs, Carrie. Yeah. That are tattooed in my DNA. Oh my God, Damon! You know you're right. 34 years later, I'm I'll hear like all of a sudden a song that you can't shake off because it was part of our upbringing. Oh, what I'm telling you is, is I'm sitting there in that pew, and I get emotional. Yeah. Like I, it's like I feel like I'm about to just start, you know, just crying. I mean, it, it, at times I actually do because. Yeah. It's just like it is. It's like the voice of my grandmother. It's a like memory. It, right. it's a memory from my yeah. youth that, right. you know, it's just it 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 is with me. It it, it is a part of who I am. And she I'm does. Say, she she does say that. that she's spiritual now and not she's not that 
traditional thing, the dogma thing. She goes, that's what we, she goes, trust me. It's, uh, someone said to me, the plastic Jesus, because it's a one dimensional outlook on things and spirituality sometimes. And it makes it comfortable. Like you said, it's just talk yourself into anything. It makes it more comfortable for people to have a Jesus in a box. Yeah. And you know, there's a lot of fundamentals there that are amazing and productive and instructive and great, you know, for people's lives. But, you know, unfortunately, like any other organized religion, so much of it has just been hijacked. And yeah, people yeah. talk themselves into anything. So your grandmother says that you have, she goes, now that we've discussed it, we've, <laughs> she's so funny. She goes, you have two new albums down the road. One is the the instrumental, whatever, the, the quartet. The other is your Southern rock album that you've got coming. <laughs> that she's making a joke, obviously. You don't have them coming. But so I guess from the conversation, you have a lot other of other things brewing is what I think she's talking about. And about how everyone is supporting you and validating ca- Casual Beast, meaning that I think you have a lot more Southern rock to come. Like, it sounds like there's a Southern rock album down the road, too, from what... I'm being shown. So I 100 percent agree with you. You're just saying your hands are not tied behind your back anymore, which means you're free to do whatever you want to do in whatever genre. Well, that I (laughs) I love it. I love it, Carrie. You know, Michelle told me she goes, Damon, you're she goes, we we work with a lot of artists. She goes, you're going to be great for this. This is this is going to be. She kept saying that. This is going to be right up your alley. I mean, well, we planned this for months, Damon, since the end, the ending of 2020, where we're talking, Damon will be my first guest. Damon will be my first guest. I am just, I, I just feel so fulfilled right now. I feel really content. And this has been a very, very special conversation. And uh, I'm grateful to you. I'm, I'm, I'm really happy. It airs in England on the radio in England. So I'm grateful for that. So that's perfect because Thin Lizzy is big in England. Well, I love, <laughs> let me tell you something. I love England. I love the UK. You know, those new fans that I have been able to make because of my time in Thin Lizzy and Black Star Writers, it's been a really special relationship for me. I'll never, ever forget, you know, how they accepted me when I joined Thin Lizzy because that band is so beloved over there, Carrie. You know, if there's a new guy in the band, you I could feel it. Like, they show up and they've got their arms crossed like, okay, big guy, what have you got? This better be good. <laughs> well, you know, yeah, England, good. they're a tough crowd, I would assume. Well, yeah, because they don't they they don't suffer fools over there. They don't put up with some of the nonsense that we do over here in America. They yeah. they don't. I've had people tell me you belong here, <laughs> so I I'm hoping to be there. That's why I can't bring my cello. <laughs> Thank you so much, Damon, for this conversation. Lots of love. Thank you for your grandmother for joining us, and you're welcome back anytime. So whenever you have that cello stuff coming, let me know. <laughs> Carrie, you're gonna be the first to know. It's been great to connect with my grandmother. I love her so much, and uh, she'll just continue to go with me for for the rest of my journey on this path. It's going to be awesome. And the outro will be Battle Lessons. Thank you. Fantastic. Thank you.